listeners, if you love the Hashtag Am Writing podcast, you'll love the Hashtag Am Writing emails. So sign up. You get show notes and links, sure, but that's not all. You'll get invites to ride-alongs along with bonus episodes and thoughts on revision, TikTok, and more, plus access to commenting and chatting on Substack. And we will never, ever share our list with anyone else because we wouldn't and because that sounds like way too much work and we're mostly in this for the hang. So pop your name on our list at amwritingpodcast.com. Is it recording? Now it's recording. Yay! Go ahead. This is the part where I stare blankly at the microphone and try to remember what I'm supposed to be doing. All right, let's start over. Awkward pause. I'm going to wrestle some papers. Okay. Now one, two, three. I'm KJ Delantonia, and this is Hashtag Am Writing, the weekly podcast about all things writing. Writing fiction, nonfiction, pitches, proposals. We are the podcast about finding a way to sit down and get your work done. I'm Jess Leahy. I'm the author of The Gift of Failure and The Addiction Inoculation. And you can find my work at The Atlantic, The Washington Post, and The New York Times. I'm Serena Bowen. I'm the author of multiple romance novels, and my new one is called The New Guy. came out last month. And I'm KJ Delantonia, the author of the novels The Chicken Sisters and In Her Boots, and the forthcoming, as we speak, uh, novel Playing the Witch Card, as well as the nonfiction book How to Be a Happier Parent. And I am also the former editor and lead writer of The Motherload at The New York Times. She was my boss. It was. True true story. Today, we're going to talk about something that I find particularly frustrating, mainly because it feels like it's not the work. But again and again and again, you too remind me of how important this part of the process is. So today we're going to talk outlining. And Serena has had a very uh, long history with honing her process and outlining has been a really important part of that. So I would love to hear a lot from Serena about how important this process is and why I should be patient with myself when I feel frustrated when I have to go back to the outlining. Okay, fun. Well, yeah, it's all, I mean, I mean, the, the reason this came up is that I was writing, 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 and everything was going great. And then I realized, oh, crap, I just don't know where I'm going next. And I realized that was a failure of planning for me. And I think part of me hangs on to that fan, the Stephen King fantasy of you just start writing and it all comes to you and it, it all flows and everything lands in the perfect spot at the end, which I have to admit, I've been able to get away with in my nonfiction from time to time, but it's really not working so well in my fiction. And so I texted and said how frustrating it was that I had to go back to the outlining and you made it very clear that it's an important part of the process. Well, okay, a couple things. So you kind of hit upon the point of outlining. Like the point of outlining is not to waste your time and it's not to live the work before you actually get to experience the story. It's to plan things so that you don't end up on a dead end street. Which is where I was yesterday. Just so nobody runs away. It can look like a lot of things. That's right. In fact, When I was a kid, I was taught what an outline needed to look like at school. And honestly, that whole lesson of how to do outlining really turned me off from outlining for decades and decades. So I came about, I came to outlining sort of around the block way, like the the long distance way. 
where I would start a book, um, and I would know some things about what happened in the future and kind of where I wanted to end up. And so I had to sort of come to it sideways. And then I worked on some books with people who were really plotters, who outlined, you know, every scene. And that was really illuminating because they never ended up on a dead end street. So that kind of turned me into more of an outliner. But um, but the thing is, our relationship with outlining has to change on every project because it doesn't go the same way on every project. So I love people who have um, great outlining strategies, but um, but it's just like reading a book about how to take care of an infant. Like that, the author of the book <laughs> is certain they know what to do, you know. And then and then your own baby like doesn't hadn't read the book and like doesn't agree <laughs> with <laughs> with the timing they set up in there. So so that it always has that possibility of of letting you down or making you sure that this book was written for someone who's a different species than you are. So we have to treat ourselves gently in the outlining process. And and to always remember that the goal is to have a path um, so that when we get, you know, bogged down, we can periscope up and look out and go back to that outline and say, what what did I mean to do again? And is the thing I'm doing right now servicing that future goal? And if it's not, why? Um, so here's my question, though. I've, I, I guess because some of the, I, I, I think I had the same problem with outlining that you did, like the one A B C, little yes. one two one two. Yeah, don't um, forget the Roman numerals. I know, I know, really exactly. Uh, as, so you can only outline up to ten or maybe fifteen, because who knows <laughs> what happens after that. So you're telling us, as someone who has operated primarily as a pantser in terms of my nonfiction, as much as you can pants nonfiction, um, I, that's what I do. Like I do a ton of research, get the lay of the land and then sort of dive in and later on sort of rearrange things and, you know, but that's with short articles and sometimes with the longer book. Yeah. I have to have that book proposal outline in order to really know. And I guess, I, I guess I have to say a book proposal is an outline. So I, I'm, I'm doing all of this Pish posh outlines, but I suppose all this raving I've been doing about the importance of book proposals—that's that—that's outlining, huh? A table of contents <laughs> is an outline. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, but it, here's my here's my is. worry. I've been so attached to this romantic vision of your characters speaking to you and your characters becoming real and your characters leading you to places that they you never thought they lead you. That I think. I've, I was turned off to outlining as something that, you know, like before we start a podcast, if we have a conversation, we often say, no, 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 let's keep it for the podcast. Let's keep it, keep it immediate and and bright and real. Um, Do you ever find that outlining undermines the life in your writing? That's what I worry about. I think it gives my, I'm going to, I'm going to dive in. Even though I can tell Serena wants to talk because it gives my writing the life. And this is why, because what happens to me when I, when I finally nail down, like, for example, those last scenes, when I finally get nowhere they're going to be, and I could conceivably put them on, on, on an outline, I often will write those. And the first draft is what's in the book. 
On the other hand, my first chapter, I will frequently get back from my editor with a note that's like, this is overwritten, which it took me a while to figure out what that means. But it often means I just rewrote it too many times because I was fixing it probably while I was trying to figure out what was going to happen next. So I actually think that outlining preserve can enable you to preserve the the freshness of the first time you write something because you maybe write the right thing the first time instead of writing the wrong thing 16 times and then trying to mash two lines that were great in the first version of this first of those 16 into the 16th version. So maybe the outlining is a kind of first draft. Yeah, it, okay. it can be. Okay, that helps me. Yes, so I have, I have felt occasionally that once I've outlined a book that I was for a moment less excited to go and write those things than I had been before. But that's not the same thing as actually squashing the life that you're going to put into the writing when you go and do it. For me, the greater risk of outlining is just that I spend the time doing it and then I do it wrong anyway. That that I go in and I write the first 35% of the book, let's say, and then I realize that the rest of that outline that I labored over is wrong. Um, so that's okay, though, when that happens, because um, it's okay to sharpen up the emotional arc of a novel as you work your way through it. And sometimes what sounded good in a two-line description of your outline doesn't actually work when you get there. And that's okay, too. I'm actually having this problem right now. I'm at like 90% in a book. And I had to go away for the weekend. And I realized while I was away from my book that the pace at the end was just wrong. You know, but I'd outlined what the catastrophe was going to be. And then I ended up rushing to get there. So I screwed up the pace, not because I'd picked the wrong crisis point, but because I was in too big a hurry to arrive at this moment of drama. And I hadn't set it up properly. So it's not like outlining solves all your problems. But when I when you go into a book, it people read novels to feel things. And anyone who tells you otherwise is lying. So if you don't know what you want your reader to feel at some point, then you really need to do something that either you call an outline or planning or just dreaming on paper, however you look at it. Because if you know how you want your reader to feel at the moment when everything has gone to shit, then um, then it's really hard to ed- end up on a dead end street. Like, you're like, I'm driving towards that big moment, that terrifying thing, that sad thing, that joyous thing. I'm driving there. And so every time you look up from the page towards that distant mountain, you, you know, you still know how you're getting there. And of course, more of your outline would be what are the things between here and that distant peak. And the more of those you can sort of set up for yourself, um, are also crucial, but, you know, but the point isn't that, that, that peak will not be less joyous when I get to it, just because I've thought about it so far, it will, you know, it will be just as exciting. I guess it allows the, for pantsing along the way too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, mean, I could I see, I, I could see a universe 
in which, you know, you're writing a thriller or a mystery and you know that at the end you want the reader to feel terrified that the protagonist um, will uh, lie and destroy their marriage. I don't know. But that doesn't necessarily mean you know why they will feel that or who will cause them to feel that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're just you just know that's what you're aiming to. Um, I think at some point you need an answer. I, but I don't write mysteries and thrillers. So, cause I've, I've, you know, listened to people who do, who say, well, I don't necessarily know who did it until the end, but then they would have to go back and fix a lot of things. So I guess I, I also worried that, um, the temptation would be to shoehorn your writing into the outline rather than letting the writing have a life of its own if it does need to change and knowing the difference between, a uh, flight of fancy that's not going to go anywhere and um and something that's worth pursuing as a as a pantsing moment i guess i tend to get pretty wedded to the work i've done and it's always hard for me to to toss a you know a day's worth of work and say you know well that was worthless it's never worthless no i know i mean i know that yeah <laughs> I, I know you Absolutely. know that but yeah, yeah i mean sometimes you have to Sometimes you have to write it to to throw yeah. it away. <laughs> Otherwise, which is, it's, I don't yeah, know, which it's is clogging up all to, the other stuff. Which is what happened to me on Saturday when I just got so frustrated um, and had to go back to the outlining and then realized I might have been okay in the first place. But I'm still not sure. So, Serena, do you find that your, um, your outlining informs some of your pre-writing? Because you've talked in the past about how important pre-writing is to your process. Is that something you depend, is the outline something you depend on to help you with the pre-writing? Well, I definitely look at it. And um, sometimes I get knocked like a pinball back and forth between the actual document where I'm composing the story and the outline. Like I'll forget to look at the outline. I'll use the document I'll go on with the next thing and then I'll realize that I'm a little twisted up and then I'll have to go back to the outline and say, all right, where were we driving? Let's course correct. Let's make sure this fits. Oh, wait, it does. Okay, but I just forgot this one important point. You know, I have to keep moving back and forth. Um, But also the format of my actual outline is not Roman numerals. It's it's like... um, it's a whole set of transitions that I'm trying to make. Like, what are all the things that the characters are going to change before the book is over? They started off in one career and they ended up in another one. They started off hating something and then ended up loving it. They started off um, questioning their ability to solve a certain kind of problem and ended up feeling certain about it. So it, it's, it's like more than one line. It's a lot of little lines, and the the more of them that I have in my head, like the more of these things that I know, then I, it's like having extra tools in your box because you you can reach for one of them next and well, you know, actually I don't want that one right now. I'm going to use this. And I think well, you then- can have different sets of outline that look like that. So I had occasion to to try to remember what my outline for the Chicken Sisters looked like the other day. Um, and I realized that one outline that I had was every bad thing the sisters do to each other. Um, and that was just a, a list of how they ping ponged back and forth because I was trying to create something, something similar. So that was one outline. And, you know, and another outline was how 
the one character changed and another outline was how another character changed. And then at some point you have to, I'm gesturing wildly with my fingers, <laughs> um, putting them together. But yeah, at some point you have to, you have to put them together, but you have all these um, lists that superimpose on each other. That's great. I love the, what are all the things they do to each other? That is gold. Yeah, it really, it really was. And going to that and being like, okay, that, that that's something I need in in the next book is like, you know, what are all the things? So, it, you know, you have the section that if you're, if you're a fan of Save the Cat Writes a Novel, which I am, they call fun and games, but, but, or the promise of the premise, it's called a lot of things, but anyway, it's whatever you've set up. Like if you've said, um, they're going to, turn this mansion into a haunted house, then you need a list of the things they're going to do along the way. And then you map that onto your list of the changes they're going to make and the emotions they're going to feel and the ways that they're going to change. One thing I'm really, really glad I did, and I think I've mentioned this before, is um, uh, because I'm writing a thriller and every there are sort of things the reader knows, things the antagonist knows, and things the protagonist knows, and they're all different all the time, but I have to keep a running list of who knows what when, and I'm doing that with three different colors, and at the end of each sort of chapter outline, I have a list of who knows what at this point in time. That, aside from the outlining part, that list of just who knows what when has been really important because... Otherwise, I'd have to go back and reread stuff to figure out, wait a second, did I make sure, does this person know about this particular element yet? So that, I think, has been the most important part of this outline for me. And uh, so I guess I'm finally admitting, I'm just realizing I'm admitting to this whole outlining thing being useful. But that was a recommendation that Jenny Nash gave me early on. She said, you know, it's going to be hard to keep track of who knows what when, so maybe have a list of who knows what, when. And and so that's actually been really important for me. That thing kicked my ass <laughs> when I was writing my own suspense novel, like who knows what, when, because there are moments when I had to go in and change that because it, I, I recognize places where the pace would improve if I tweaked the mm-hmm. order of revelation. And then it, you know, then you have just broken like seven things about who knows what when and it's hard. yeah it's a little bit like programming when you've got to go back and relook and then to add to that since i have been reading serena's thriller i'm about i don't know about a fifth of the way through on top of that you add in flashbacks flash forwards kind of thing and uh and then you've got timing issues too so i'm uh, frankly un- unclear on how you stayed on top of everything all the time with the changes in chronology and stuff like that. Oh, I had to outline my own book after I wrote it. <laughs> oh, I've had to do that every single time. Seriously? And I have, yeah, and I have a double spread in my notebook for this novel with a calendar on it. It's like the the actual calendar. And then I had, I wrote down which chapters occurred on which days so that I wouldn't goof that up. And then, oh, crap, Memorial Day's in there somewhere. You know, she can't go to work on Memorial Day. And it, oh, it my was just, gosh. Yeah, and, and I did it because I know that sometime in my future, I'm getting this book back from the copy editor who does yeah. not have it yet. Um, and that person is going to make me defend things. Right, like, why so, is it winter? You said snow was falling, like, and then now it's daffodils and suddenly it's snowing again. Yeah. Yep. 
And just the, this is a workplace book, so um, it really matters what day of the week it is. Like, you can't have, and then tomorrow, and you're like, well, crap, it's Sunday now. Well, mine is the week leading up to Halloween, and Mm -hmm. this whole question of, like, how long I could realistically, there's a thing happening in the book that can't happen for very long. Like, realistically, this person (laughs) cannot be kept hidden, basically, for that long. So, and I, and I couldn't. In the end, I didn't, it's, you know, like, it won't match up to a particular year. I just, just decided, okay, this ha- this year, Halloween's on Saturday. Um, and then we're just- It's your imaginary year. Yeah, you can do whatever question, you want. It's, well, it is. And that's a glorious moment when you realize that, by the way. Because I actually started with, okay, it's going to be 2024. Damn it, then Halloween's on a Monday. What do they do about school? If Hall- I was like, no, 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 that's just not <laughs> what I'm doing. Um. So, but yeah, you have to, so that's like a whole, there are so many outlines that go there into There are this. so many outlines. And if you don't like the word outline, you can call them lists or charts. You charts can. Is, yeah, you can call them whatever you want. Um, this but is yeah, a outline for me is key. This has been incredibly helpful for me because I think as Serena said, I think I've been thinking about it in a really restrictive way that feels confining to me when, now that I talk it through with you, I realize it's actually freeing me up a lot. So that's that alone right there. I, I mean, I'm a little bit contrary. Like KJ, you know, the minute we're told that we have to have something done on Monday, we're going to have it done some other time because we just can be a little contrary. So the minute you tell me, oh, you have to outline this, it feels a little like I'm being assigned something that isn't the writing. I guess that's the big point. To me, it to me it hasn't felt like the writing itself. And then I'm like my poor students when I'm teaching them about like research papers and they roll their eyes when I talk about the outlines and they're like, oh, this is the most boring thing on the planet. And I, in my teacher voice, say, yes, but it's essential to the process of having an organized, <laughs> you know, foolproof way to, you know, and then I, yeah. So uh, this has been really, really helpful because I like thinking about the fact that it can be about the calendar. It can be about who knows what, when. It can be about the main, um, it can be about the emotional points, about these, you know, beats that as Serena's talked about in the past, we talk about beats, emotional beats that have to happen. And are those happening in the right order and in the right places? My mantra of the year is good writing comes last. Like, like, I'm not going to spend any time describing that sunset. Until I'm sure the sun's going to set in that scene. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That is good. But I and I would also say that my mantra then would be the emotional beats are all that matter. Like if you get that straight, then um, then it's really hard to mess up the book. Like if you if you know who's going to feel big things and when they might feel them you know, you're doing pretty, you're doing pretty well. Sorry, I'm I was writing notes. down KJ's because <laughs> I'm like, that's now my mantra going forward is I'm not going to write about that sunset until I know whether or not the sun's going to set. That's my new mantra. Well, and that is, that has been a thing. It's, it's, and you know what? I think this is part of the transition, transition, the transition, that could be a new word. <laughs> um, the transition from nonfiction to fiction is uh, good writing comes last because that is not necessarily true in nonfiction. So I'm going to put that aside. But in fiction, it is writing to make a list of the emotional beats. It is writing, 
you know, to, um, to have to the, the, the words, uh, they get into the car and go to Morocco. That's, that is writing that counts. And then later you go back and you, you know, you fill in a lot of words around they and get and car and it, and it works. But, um, yeah, I think to think of outlining is not writing. I think of it more like, you know, your story starts out as like three lines and then tomorrow you make it 12 lines, but you're expanding it in both directions, forwards and, 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 you know, up towards the the beginning and down towards the end. And then every day you're sort of expanding it more. And it isn't until you sort of know, until you have a shape that you can work with, that you start writing actual words, but it's still writing. It's still writing. One of my favorite lists is when am I going to make the reader laugh? When am I going to make the reader cry? When am I going to make the reader go, oh, shit? (laughs) Because I feel like I haven't done my job unless all those things happen. Or, you know, genre dependent. Like, you don't have to make people laugh if you're writing some, you know, dark, twisty thing. But you still could. You could. I, for one, would appreciate it if you did. Okay. You've cha- you've turned me around. I'm feeling so much better about this. And I have one last thing I yeah, want to say yeah, about go ahead, outlining, please. which is this. If you hate outlining or you like the way you outline, you don't want to change the way you outline, or you're resisting something about outlining, the question to ask yourself is, am I finishing things? Because if you're finishing things and whenever you're finishing them to your liking, like finishing them successfully, whatever that means for you then you can keep doing it the way you're doing it. But if you're only writing the first half of stuff um, or only getting to the end or you're never able to to finish anything, then it might be time to look at whether you could go at this in a different way. And that could, you know, maybe you're making outlines with Roman noodles and it's not working for you. Then try something else. But, or maybe you're, you're pantsing, but if you're not finishing then pantsing isn't your process. It's just what you're doing. Yeah. And actually, one of the things I was talking about with a person I know who wants to write graphic novels is the idea of she's a very visual person. And so she would create her outline in a very, uh, in a picture oriented way. So like when she's thinking about a story, she, or it looks like a storyboard for a film or something like that. And that's really cool. But I couldn't do that. I just don't think that way. Um, But I love the fact that she thinks that way. And that's a, you know, I would love to be able to do that. But it's not necessarily the way that I would go about it. But it's pretty darn cool. Her journal looks cooler than mine does, is all I'm saying. Uh, Yeah, I would (laughs) would imagine it looks cooler than mine, too. I would, I would, I would like to think that way. But as you said, I too do not. Yeah, I heard uh, one time um, Michael Ondaatje was saying that he never thinks in terms of words. He thinks in terms of images. And I just that's always stuck with me because his books translate into such great films. And that makes perfect sense to me, but has nothing to do with the way that I process stories. So no, <laughs> I think in words. Yep, yep me, me too. too. Me, me too. too. Very cool. Does anyone have any books that they would like to talk about? Because I do... I definitely no do, else? but I need a. I need no. I have to think. That's okay. All. Let me. All right. Let me well, think. Let's you take talk it, about let's, yours because let's yeah, take a quick I don't break. Talk about that one. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll talk about what we've been reading.
Listeners, there's honestly nothing I love more than a good writing retreat, especially one that comes with solid coaching and the chance to meet other writers who are working on similar projects. This fall, three Author Accelerator certified book coaches are offering what sounds like a dream retreat if what you're working on is telling your own story. It's called Mainly Memoir, and it's a retreat for women writers in historic Biddeford, Maine. Mainly Memoir will provide three days in the gorgeous Maine woods in September with one-on-one coaching both before, during, and after the retreat. It is the perfect opportunity to give yourself the gift of time and focus so that you can make real progress on your memoir this year. Mainly Memoir will be held from September 21st through 24th, 2023. A scholarship is available for a memoirist from a community that has been traditionally underrepresented in publishing. Learn more at MainlyMemoir.com, and as you've probably guessed, Mainly is spelled M-A-I-N-E-L-Y. So that's Maine the State, MainlyMemoir.com. I have been watching Daisy Jones and the Six on whatever it's on. And um, I am loving it. I was a big fan of the book. And I was really curious about how this is going to get translated into a series. And they have taken some liberties, but they have done a spectacular job. And then I realized, huh, Taylor Jenkins Reid. I like her uh, writing. And I remembered thinking that she had written a whole bunch of other things that I hadn't read. And so I downloaded the audio of The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And I am really enjoying it. I guess that's, I think when I downloaded it, it had something like 15,000 reviews and it was like 4.5 stars or something like that. Taylor Jenkins Reid, I have to say her talent is creating really specific characters. She's so good. Like Daisy Jones and the Six is told in terms of, it's the story of a Fleetwood Mac type band told through the voices of the various people being interviewed about the band. And it's, they have to be very specific characters. They, they, um, you know, they're telling their story and then you have to somehow just through their individual voices, get this bigger picture. And um, the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is really a similar sort of book. And I also loved uh, the Carrie Soto tennis book, whatever it was, Carrie Soto comes back or something like that. And I also liked Malibu Rising. And that seems to be her, her real talent. I mean, she's got a great talent for plot too, but her character renderings are really incredible. So heartily, I mean, I'm late to the game on Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, but really, really recommend it. And if you have not tried Daisy Jones and the Six either, the show or the book. Um, I highly recommend that. And by the way, the audio of Daisy Jones and the Six, killer narrators. Jennifer Beals is Daisy in the audio book of Daisy Jones and the Six. And she's, she's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Really, really good. You make that sound super fun. Just it great. is really fun. Yeah. Um, well, I will, I, I, I will choose because I've actually been reading a lot lately. Um, so I'm choosing one that I think will go with this. So uh, I, I just finished The Sweet Spot by Amy Popple. And I'm really hoping to ask her to come on the process because she happened to mention to me in a DM exchange that she'd had some issues with the structure. So I'm hoping she'll come on. But the reason I want to bring it up is that um, it is a multi-POV kind of slapstick, definitely family comedy that takes place in New York. And the 
glory of it, the reason I'm going to keep this book on my shelf forever is that every point of view is so dramatically different. You know who that is within the first sentence because she's created every character just just so perfectly. Or you know that it's not somebody you've heard before from before because it, it is it, it does hop around a lot. So um, it's a really fun story. I can't. It's, it's a little hard to sum up other than, you know, uh, uh, revenge, revenge gone wrong. And yet somehow ends up right might be a, a good way to sum up. <laughs> but anyway, it's a absolute model of the cool. multi POV. Cool. The reading has been good lately. You know, when you get in those ruts and then and you've disappointed by a lot of books, I have I've been really excited about a lot of books. And um, Harlan Coben's about to come out with a new one that I'm super excited to listen to as well. So I'm feeling good about the reading right now. It's been good reading. Yeah, you've had, had some, some. You've had some great had piles. Some yeah, you've had some great <laughs> to a, read piles. Yeah, I've got a pile of DNFs too. But yeah, yeah, I have had some luck. And if you want. To hear more about what I've been reading, I have my own Substack, so everyone should totally come and um, hit kjda.substack.com or just go to my website, which is very easy to find, and um, there's all the ways to sign up for it there. But yeah, every week I'm throwing out some books I've been loving, and I've been having, it's, this is like both a promo that you should go and hear my or go and sign up for my newsletter. But also, I know that one of the things we talk about on the podcast a lot is finding a way um, to communicate with readers that works for you if you want to have a newsletter. And I've sort of finally um, <laughs> figured out that, duh, the one thing I would like to talk to you about is what I have been reading. So. I want to throw out a quick, uh, a quick shout out. Um, so one of the things that has been really cool for me to watch about uh, Serena's writing is that people really, really connect with certain characters, certain characters over and over and over again I keep hearing about. And I love all of her characters, but there's certain characters that really seem to land um, with people on an emotional level. And Wesley, uh, Wesley and Jamie, um, they their their little compound name is Wesley. People tend to love them <laughs> from the Him and Us and um, epic books. And her new book, uh, The New Guy, I, I, Serena, I think yeah, I think this is going to be one of those couples that sticks Aww. around on a really emotional level. These guys are fantastic. I fell in love with them. I want to know more about them. Um, so it was really exciting for me to read this newest book of yours. It was really, really good. Well, thank you. They'll be back in the next one. Yay! I like it. I like it. All right. Well, this has been um, this selfishly for me. This I proposed this episode because I was feeling upset. I was feeling frustrated and I was feeling pissed off with my writing and um, I feel rejuvenated. I hope all of you feel like you're going to go out and outline in whatever form that takes for you because I'm actually really motivated as soon as we're done with this um, and I'm going to go work on my outline because I... I suddenly have this understanding of how important it's going to be to this book. And I'm really grateful to both of you. That's, that's why we need other writers in our lives so that uh, we can help each other see that the, the work takes many forms. And sometimes, yeah, it's really, really frustrating. But thank you so much, you guys. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah, it was totally fun. Well, excellent. I'm staring, I'm staring strangely at my screen because I can't figure out if I'm muted. Sorry.
<laughs> All right, everyone. Until next week. Uh, keep outlining, by the way. Um, until next week, keep your butt in the chair and your head in the game. The Hashtag AmWriting podcast is produced by Andrew Perella. Our intro music, aptly titled Unemployed Monday, was written and played by Max Cohen. Andrew and Max were paid for their time and their creative output because everyone deserves to be paid for their work. Listeners, I've got a podcast recommendation for you. Have you tried a bookish home yet? I've been a guest, and it's a delight. Librarian and writer Laura Zaro Kapinski interviews a different author each week, so you can add to your TBR list while getting the inside scoop on the winding road to publication. Coming up this spring, she'll be talking to Amy Popple, Sarah Penner, Maggie Smith, and many more. So, Look for A Bookish Home wherever you get your podcasts.